Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, and we'll be looking again at the life of Caleb. Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. We'll read till the end of the chapter. The scriptures say, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold... The Lord hath kept me alive, and he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day three, fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron was before was Kerjeth Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from war. And so we look once again at the life of Caleb. Uh, previously, when we looked at Caleb's life, we looked that he was a man who possessed another spirit. He had a different attitude, a different heart about him. Uh, we often think about Daniel as a man who had an excellent spirit. But Caleb, the scriptures say in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, speaking of Caleb, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath, holy, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. And so we looked at Caleb. He possessed another spirit in his dedication to God's will and his desire to do God's will. In the direction that he took, he directed his life after God's will. And this evening, we're going to look at the fact that Caleb, not only did he have another spirit, but as our passage says in Joshua chapter 14, verse 8, and we had looked at this previously, but there were 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan. And you'll remember that, just to give a little background, the Israelites had been, in cap they had been enslaved in Egypt for several, many years and generations there. And God had brought them out, and he had sent them away, given with gifts sent out from the people of Egypt. The Egyptians then chased them, and they crossed the Red Sea. God delivered them in that way, and they're in the wilderness, coming through the wilderness. God brings them to the promised land, and whenever they reach the promised land, Moses sends out 12 individuals, each one representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they go and they spy out the land, and they bring back their report. And of course, you remember from junior church class, no doubt, that ten were bad and two were good. And so ten had an evil report of the land and two had a good report. And Caleb was one of those that had a good report. 
And here's what we know about the testimony of the ten who had the evil report. In verse 8 of Joshua chapter 14, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. And that's about all we know about those ten men. They're only mentioned once in the Bible, and their testimony is that they made the people's hearts to melt. But Caleb was a man of a different testimony, and his testimony was here in verse 8, that he wholly followed the Lord his God, and later mentioned in the passage that he received the inheritance because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Now, as we look at Caleb, the man who wholly followed the Lord, I think that would be a worthy goal for us in our own lives, for our own testimony, to be men and women and children of God that desire to wholly follow the Lord. Now, if we were to try to define this phrase, it really doesn't take much defining, as it's already there, wholly follow. It's a singular commitment to obedience. It's a singleness of focus, mind, and strength, but ultimately obedience to God. And we find here Caleb, a man who stood against the faithless people, stood for God amongst amongst a faithless generation, and we find Caleb was a warrior against spiritual mediocrity. A warrior against spiritual mediocrity, for he wholly followed the Lord. And so this evening I'd like to look at three different places that you can wholly follow the Lord. Three different places that you and I as believers can wholly follow the Lord. And the first one is that we can follow the Lord, we can wholly follow the Lord in holiness. In holiness. You think about this, Caleb came and went out and spied out the land, came back with a good report, was opposed. God sent the people back into the wilderness to wander for 40 years. So Caleb takes his family. We know he had at least three sons, at least one daughter and his wife, and he leads them back into the wilderness to wander with a nation of murmurers, to wander with a nation of ungrateful people. And so for the next 40 years, Caleb and his family are going to live amongst a people that are literally going to die off, the older generations are going to die off as part of God's judgment upon them because they were without faith, they murmured against God, they complained against God, and whenever God had directed them to do something, to go forward, to possess the land, they refused to go. And so this is the group of people that Caleb found and was raising his family with. He was raising them in a nation, he was raising them amongst neighbors that were murmurers and complainers, And the interesting thing is that 40 years later, his family comes out the other side of the wilderness, and instead of becoming one of the murmurers, one of the complainers, one with the nation that he had gone into the wilderness with, he came out, him and his family, still wholly following the Lord. And I believe that we can look at that and say and realize the fact that Caleb was a man who followed the Lord in holiness. And so ought we as well. Caleb was dedicated to holy living in his life. And I'd like for for a couple minutes here, let's take some time and we'll turn in our Bibles and look at some passages that speak to holiness in the life of a believer. If you would, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we see that believers are called to holiness. Believers are called to holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, we see this. The scriptures say, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, 
for I am holy. And so we see here in this passage that the believer is called to be holy. So be holy in all manner of conversation. That conversation, that means conduct. That means your actions. That means your decisions. And no doubt it means your actual words. All manner of conversation. All manner of actions. Believers are called to holiness. The other thing we find is in 1 Thessalonians 5.27, we find that not only are believers called to holiness, throughout the scriptures, believers are described as being holy. If we turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5, we see that. 1 Thessalonians 5.27, note the word holy there, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Calls them holy. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and longsuffering. And not only there, we would find throughout the scriptures in First Peter, it speaks of the holy women. In other passages, we constantly are finding references that the believer is referred to as a holy individual. So our calling is to be holy. We're described as being holy. Titus chapter 1 verse 8, in giving the, um, the requirements of a bishop, of a pastor, it says, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. And so holiness is a great part. It's a description of the believer. Another thing we can find here in 1 Thessalonians 5 is that we find that holiness is part of God's present work within the believer. 1 Thessalonians 5 19 and following. The scriptures say, Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives a list here. And if we would go up further, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, quench not the Spirit, despise not, and so on and so forth, that God, that the God of peace would sanctify them, that he would make them holy, that in doing all these things in this list, that it would keep them, and it would direct them into a life that was holy, it was obedience to God. The other thing we find in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 as we find once again that holiness is a part of God's present work in our lives. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. The scriptures say, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And so throughout the scriptures, not just in the New Testament, we find men like Daniel, uh, like Daniel, we find men like Caleb, we find men like Enoch, and they were walking with God, walking in holiness, men like Job, men who lived lives that were holy before God. And now we see here, as we just looked at the passages here in the New Testament, God's desire is still that we as believers live lives that are holy. And so as we seek to wholly follow the Lord, one place we ought to follow the Lord into is holiness in our lives, a life of 
lives of holy living in obedience to God. The scriptures say, First Peter, we just looked at it, be ye holy, for I am holy. That is not speaking to our salvation, be holy enough that you can be saved. The scripture, we already know that it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But for the child of God who has trusted Christ as his Savior, receiving him by faith, we now are walking and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, we're now walking to be conformed into the image of Christ. God's desire, God's will for our lives is that we are called to be holy. Our lives are to be a reflection of the work that Christ is doing in us. And in obedience to God, we ought to result, there ought to be a result of holy living in our lives. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. We find another thing about holiness. And maybe we should have begun here because we know that the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. We know that by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So all are sinners, all are unholy before God. And so here in Ephesians chapter 5.25, we find the reason that Christ came and died upon the cross for the sins of the world. And that reason is found. And in the scriptures, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the scriptures say, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. And so from the word of God we see, that holiness, Christ died that he might present us holy. You see, I cannot have holiness in my life without Christ. I am not holy, except for the fact that Christ died and paid for my sins, and on receiving Christ as my Savior, I am made holy because of the holiness of that sacrifice. But now, as a child of God, I am to live a life that is holy and pleasing unto God. And so one of the places that we ought to wholly follow the Lord is in that area of holiness, in that, live, in that area of holiness. Now, as we look at living holy lives, we could just consider, and we will in a moment, the fact that Caleb was walking in the wilderness. He was wandering in the wilderness in the midst of unholy people. He was living and I guess you could compare the fact was working um, as we would go to work, and we are living in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And just as Caleb was living and walking in the midst of a perverse nation, that he should shine as lights, the reason that he would be able to shine as a light was because he was living in holiness. And while having standards does not equal holy living, it is God's will that the believer's mind, actions, and desires would be holy as he is holy. As a believer wills and does of God's good pleasure, it's in Philippians there, he will have a mind separate from that of the world. A mindset that's separate, a lifestyle that's separate, actions and thoughts and speech and desires that are separate. And so in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, wholly following the Lord Caleb and us as well, are able to live a life that is separate from the world, for he was living within the boundaries of the holiness of God. 
He was living within the boundaries of the holiness of God. And so as Caleb was doing so in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, even so we are able to live separate. And we are able to live within the bounds of the holiness of God. And so we see boundaries that would have had to have taken place in Caleb's lives, or in Caleb's life. There are boundaries that need to take place in our lives. We need to have our minds separate from the thinking of the world. We need to have, I think of the verse that speaks of, uh, make no friend with an angry man. Why? Because my mind as a child of God is not to be one that is given to anger. My mind is not to be one that is influenced to anger, but one that is living within the boundaries of the holiness of God, and therefore I need to be separate from the mind or from that anger in my life. And so in Caleb's life, we can see boundaries that were there. You know, the second area that we can wholly follow the Lord is not only just in the area of holiness, but in the area of wholly following the Lord with your family. And so we see here in the scriptures that Caleb in Joshua chapter 14, we see that he had a family. And we'll look at them here in a little bit. But you have to consider the impact that this man Caleb had upon the lives of his family, upon his children. Because they're living in a nation and amongst a people that well, let's just think here quickly about some of the things that these people have done. They have taken what God has given them, the gold and the silver, and they've built a calf, and they've set up to worship it in place of God. These, this is the people that Caleb is living with his family amongst. When they return back into the wilderness, we would find the incident where Korah is there, and the sons of Korah, and they're offering up that false incense that is an abomination to the Lord, and he comes down and swallows many of those people up. This is the people that Caleb and his family are living amongst. You consider this, the account where we know that the people of Israel are, are going, and there is basically a foreign nation that comes near them, and the men are in lusting after the, they're going and taking and, and giving in marriage to those that are ungodly. And this is the people, and this is the fam- these are the neighbors of Caleb and his family. And so they are truly living in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And just because they are the nation of Israel does not mean that they're holy individuals. We find that contrary throughout the scriptures. He's living midst of people that are complainers, murmurers, and frankly, they're Faith in God lacks to the extent where they weren't willing to receive the promises of God whenever he desired that they would go forward and had given them a promise. And so you have to consider the impact that a man or a woman or a parent has upon their children because in living in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, Caleb is wholly following the Lord. And we see here that the second place that we ought to be wholly following the Lord is with our families. Because our families need examples. Our families need to see men and women who are wholly following the Lord. You have to consider that impact. And you have to think about this inheritance here that's given. Joshua chapter 14 speaks, in that second half there, it speaks about the mountain, that land of Hebron, 
that Caleb was going to possess for his family. And there's a great victory that's going to be had, and there's a great inheritance that's going to be had by the children of Caleb. And they're going to receive of that land that is taken. They're going to receive of it. And I think of the fact of receiving a mountain as your inheritance, receiving a land that you're going to live in that God has promised you for an inheritance. But I often, I'm I'm looking at this passage and thinking, perhaps one of the greatest things that Caleb's children inherited from their father was not the land of Hebron, was not that mountain that was going to be overtaken, but was in fact the fact that they had an example of a godly parent that wholly followed the Lord. For you see, for 40 years, for 40 years as they lived and walked and grew up and that family was raised and perhaps now has children of their own, his daughter is not yet married. We know that as far as where they're at in their lives. But yet for 40 years, they've wandered in the midst of a nation that is contrary to God and complaint to God, yet they've received, they've been beneficiaries of a godly example. They've been beneficiaries of wise decisions. They've been beneficiaries of a father that has put God first. They've been beneficiaries of knowledge about God, about who God is, and you would have to consider the difference if you were to to pop into Caleb's tent one evening as they're in the wilderness wandering, and then you'd compare that to if you'd go and sit down at a meal with one of his neighbors, and you'd have to consider the difference in conversation that was taking place. For you had Caleb's testimony was that he wholly followed the Lord, and his neighbor was literally the reason why he ended up wandering in the wilderness. Perhaps at Caleb's dinner table, we would have heard, God is faithful. God knows best. We will possess the blessing one day. We trust God. God put Moses here for us to follow. We're going to trust that. We're not going to murmur against God. We're not going to murmur against Moses. We're not going to complain about the situations God has put us in. We're going to wholly follow the Lord. Contrast that with the other conversations you could be hearing. And so when Caleb's family came out of 40 years in the midst of a nation that was influenced by murmurers, they had not changed. That family could be identified as the ones that wholly followed the Lord. And I think one of the greatest victories, we looked at the boundaries that were in place, I think one of the greatest victories in Caleb's life and in Caleb's family was the fact that they had come out of the other side 40 years of wandering, 40 years that they didn't deserve to be there. That could have been their attitude. 40 years that God had placed them in a place that if the rest of the nation would have been obedient to God, they wouldn't have to be there. 40 years of neighbors that were murmuring and complaining and constantly seeing how God had failed them and let them down. And 40 years later... They were wholly following the Lord. And we ought not to despise the godly upbringing. We ought not to despise parents. We ought not to despise those that are wholly following the Lord. And as we wholly follow the Lord, let us be led to wholly follow the Lord with our families. And consider the impact that that can have. And so we see Caleb... In his life, in his family's life, they lived within the boundaries of God's holiness. 
and we too ought to live within the boundaries of God's holiness. And they lived in great victory. Victory first and foremost in that they were obedient to God. Caleb was obedient to God even back before the wilderness wandering. They were obedient to God during the wilderness wandering, and they were obedient to God after the wilderness wandering. And of course, we often like to look at the great victory, the the fact that he went up against the giants and slew the giants and took of the land. But we ought to consider the victories that we can have and that we can possess for ourselves because, you know, we're not going to be going out there necessarily to slay the giants and to claim the mountains physically. But there are great victories to be had in our life. There are victories to be had with our testimony. There are victories to be had in our marriages. There are victories to be had in our families. There are victories to be had as we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I think one victory that is something to be had is the fact that we look and we're going to be we're upcoming very shortly on I believe it's the 13th anniversary of our church. And the fact that the church was founded on sound doctrine, the fact that we are still faithful and holy following the Lord in sound doctrine, what what a great victory that is, that 13 years later, this church is still sound in doctrine. What a great victory it is in a marriage whenever a marriage is able to continue on till death do you part. What a great victory it is in a family when children are brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What a great victory it is whenever I go daily into the workplace and am daily amongst those who love not God and daily amongst those who do not care for the things of God, yet the child of God determines in his life that he's going to wholly follow the Lord, and that is a victory. And so oftentimes we look and we think that we have to have the great mountain and the giants to slay, yet there are many spiritual giants and spiritual victories to be had in our own lives that we can often overlook. And so the child of God ought to be wholly following the Lord with his family into victory. We have boundaries that we've seen, the boundaries of living within the holiness of God and the victories that are gained. And I think of the other thing that we can see in Caleb's life is that there's a legacy. There are legacies that are found. I speak to a heritage that is being passed on and given because the third place that we can wholly follow the Lord is into victory. We can wholly follow the Lord in holiness with our families into victory. We see here in Joshua chapter 15, verse number 13, speaking further of the conquest of Caleb. And unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. Even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Debir. And the name of Debir before was Kerjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it 
and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, to wife. Now, if you would turn over to Judges chapter 3, verse 9, because we see something interesting here. We see in Judges chapter 3, verse 1, as the people are driving out the nations that are in the land there, to possess that land, we find this about them. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel had not known all the wars of Canaan. In verse number 5, we see, And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to be their sons and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. I think it's a good consideration here that as we look, this is after Caleb has taken the land. This is after Caleb has passed off the scene. And there are people... Israelites, God said he has left nations among them to prove them, to see if they would be obedient to God and continuing to fulfill God's will. And they've failed in that. They're dwelling among them. They're serving their gods. They're intermingling with wickedness and godlessness and idolatry. But yet if we look here in verse number 9, we see something interesting. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them. Even Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. Now, who's Othniel? Othniel is Caleb's son-in-law. We see an interesting thing here. We see the fact that Caleb, no doubt a wise man, a man of wisdom, recognized the fact that Just as he had to wholly follow the Lord in his day, those that would follow him had to follow the Lord in their day. And those that would come in the generations after would need to continually and wholly follow the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that every one of Caleb's descendants was going to wholly follow the Lord. After all, uh, you'll remember the man Nabal in the Bible, one of the most wicked men in all the Bible. And he was a descendant of Caleb who had not chosen to wholly follow the Lord. But more directly and more closely in the lifespan of Caleb, Caleb had had a daughter and he had land to overcome and victory still to be had and giants still to be slain. And Caleb, no doubt with some forethought, I think, recognized the fact that he desired that there would be victory in the future of his family. He recognized that in the future generations of his family that there would be generations and they had to choose for themselves to wholly follow the Lord. And so Caleb makes this proposition. He says, I have land that needs to be won. I have a mountain to be gained. I have, uh, I have giants that need to be slain. And who, who is willing to come and be victorious with me? And if there's one of you that's willing to come and be victorious and you are victorious then you'll be able to marry my daughter. I'll give you my daughter to be married to. Maybe the daughter was 
Maybe she asked Caleb to do that. I don't know. Maybe she wanted a victorious husband. I don't know. But the fact is, that's what went down. And what had happened is Othniel, the son of Canaz, had come along and he had been a victor beside Caleb. And so, as it had been said, the two were wed, Caleb's daughter and Othniel. And so we find Othniel to be a man who had come and who was victorious. He was a man who had come and who was following the Lord. He was a man that was spiritually victorious, for we find him as one of the first judges there in the book of Judges. And here we find him generation or years after the death of Caleb, and he is a man who is following the Lord. He's a man who is having spiritual victories and also victories that God is blessing him with, for he's delivering the people of Israel from their enemies. I think this speaks to the heritage that Caleb was leaving. It speaks to the fact that Caleb not only influenced those early in his years, not only influenced those that he wandered in the wilderness, but he influenced those that were to come. Caleb had instilled a heart of obedience to those that would follow God. How did he do that? He had instilled a heart of obedience to those that were around him. I think the first way he did it is he was victorious in his own life. Because if you're going to lead others to victory, if you're going to help others to have victory in their own lives, if you're going to help your children, if you're going to help your co-workers, if you're going to help your brethren in Christ in church, and if you're going to help them to have victory in their lives, first and foremost, you must be a victor yourself. You must be a, a man or woman that is chosen to wholly follow the Lord in holiness. Chosen to wholly follow the Lord with singular focus. And having had victories and seeing God work and seeing God give you victories in the past and walking with God and wholly following the Lord, now Caleb is able, because he has seen and because he has wholly followed the Lord, he is able to help others wholly follow the Lord. But you see, there could be a victorious Christian that is wholly following the Lord, and that is having great victory in his own personal life, yet if he is not willing to call others alongside him to have victory as well, then he will not be doing what Caleb was doing. You see, Caleb not only had great victory in his life because he wholly followed the Lord, but he found others around him that he could help lead to victory. And we see he did so. So the truth, it, truth is, if you are going to help others have victory, it begins with being a victor. How can we sit idly by and expect those coming after us to be victorious if we don't give ourselves to wholly following the Lord that we might call others alongside to victory? And so we see in the life of Caleb boundaries that have been set. He is living within the bounds of the holiness of God. We see that there are victories won, and we see that there is a legacy. We see that there are legacies that were given as Caleb, who is wholly following the Lord, calls others alongside him to victory. And we see the results in the life of Othniel. As God uses one man 
which is often the case in the book of Judges. He takes a man who is following the Lord, takes and calls a man, and uses that man to rescue, or that woman in the case of Deborah, to rescue a nation. Many victories there are to be won. We spoke to them already, faithfulness to sound doctrine, our marriages and our testimonies. Caleb, by faith, was a man that was ready to conquer. He was willing to conquer the spiritual battles. He was also ready and willing to conquer the land that God had promised him. Taking his family back into the wilderness for 40 more years, where he would dwell, wander, and raise a family surrounded by the murmuring nation of Israel, yet coming out of the wilderness, at age 85, Caleb claims the promised victories God had made to his family. You know, it's interesting. I think that we look to the fact that, I'm being a little bit facetious, but Caleb on that mountain in his aged life could have looked out the back picture window of his house. I don't know if they had glass windows. But he could have looked out that back window over the mountaintops over the land that had been won. But you see, for the Christian, for the believer, for Caleb, who was a man that wholly followed the Lord, he didn't measure his victory in acreage. I would love to have a mountain. That'd be great. I could think of a thousand things I could do with a mountain. Couldn't you? Ski resorts, deer stands, I mean, all kinds of great stuff. But the fact is, for the child of God who's wholly following the Lord, as Caleb did, he did not look out over the land that he had, God had given him, that he had conquered there. He did not look over it and measure it in acreage. He did not look over it and measure it as wealth. Because, you see, he did not conquer the land for earthly, physical possession. He conquered the land because he was receiving and he was taking and he was going to claim the promises that God had given him. He was going to claim the victories that God had promised to him. And so Caleb, as he looked out over the land in his old age, would not have been looking out over the prosperity and the acreage that he had obtained, but rather the life of victory that God had blessed him with. And just as Caleb was able to look back over the mountaintops of victory that God had given him, so it is that we as believers, we are to receive of those promises. We are to claim the victory for the promises that God has given us so that when our life's race is over, we can look back and we can see the great victories that God has given us. It's not to be measured in acreage. It's not to be measured in finances or money or gold or silver. But rather it is to be measured by spiritual victories. And you see the life of an individual, the life of a believer who is wholly following the Lord is going to be able to look over their life, look backwards and see the victories, the mountaintops you could say, of victories that God has given them. You say, where does this victory begin? It begins by wholly following the Lord. I would note that 
more victories are won as we live and follow the Lord in holiness. More victories are won as we wholly follow the Lord with our families. And more victories are won. In fact, victories have to be won. The only way they will be won is as we wholly follow the Lord into victory. And so for the child of God, let us wholly follow the Lord. For we just, although we're not claiming physical mountains, we are to be zealously, wholeheartedly, as Caleb was, claiming the victories that God has promised to us. And so may we do that as we wholly follow the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126-541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17112. And visit our website at www.svbcpa.org. Until next time.